Three, two, one. Monty Barnes. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fuck and Butter Podcast. I'm my, my, my name is Jesse. Okay, thank <laughs> And the butter. That's me. And this is going to be a classic review. Uh, we're going to do one every month. From uh, here till forever. <laughs> 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 last month we did Boogie Nights. Which is funny because we recorded that oh, episode. Fuck yeah! Like six months ago, time. I was living <laughs> in Pittsburgh when yeah. we recorded that episode, which yeah. is hilarious. I was I was twenty three, so that was before January. <laughs> you, you got older. I got older. That. I aged a year. <laughs> Although I read this cool quote where every picture that you see is a picture of you younger. I like that quote. Oh, that's yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> I like that. That is. But a good anyway, quote. um, yeah. So we're gonna do another class review, and this class review is something that I'm very excited about. Um, if you follow films and you follow movies, you're probably aware of, of this movie, and if you're not, uh, <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> but uh, but. I think it's significant because this is the 50th anniversary of the spell. This is absolutely crazy. 50 fucking year. 50. Yeah, Jeez. 50. And I'm just happy that everybody, <laughs> except for Marlon Brando, is still alive. Who's uh, in, in Duvall making like, this movie. That's pretty uh, crazy. Cool. Well, didn't Duvall, uh, he died recently. Oh, that's right. He did, died really Marvel recently. Marvel died like he died like last year, right? Or like last year, right? He's dead, uh, right? He's, <laughs> he's, he's definitely dead. He's. I saw. I saw because Black Widow was the last thing he was in. What? Um, he was a Black Widow. Is that right? Am I thinking of the wrong guy? Robert hold on. Duvall's okay, everyone, Black stop. Widow? Everyone, hold the hold the phone. I'm gonna watch phone. Black Widow. Robert Duvall is in it. Damn. Yeah, I think Robert Duvall was in Black Widow. That's Let's hilarious. See. Uh, yeah, he's in The Godfather. We know that. Um, did you say that we're doing The Godfather yet? Were you holding <laughs> no, up to that? We got distracted. <laughs> is, we're gonna do Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather, based Sick. on a very popular novel of the same name. Yeah, by Mario. Was his name Mario? His last name is Puza. I don't remember yeah, his first Mario name Puzza. is Mario. Yeah. Mario yeah, Puza. Right. Yep. Yeah. Oh uh, wait, so it's Duvall. <laughs> what I the get, Okay, I was. I got distracted about him looking up. Uh, about looking up if he was in Black Widow. I thought he was. <laughs> I don't want to say somebody's dead. dead. They're alive. <laughs> that he's would still be... alive. He is. Yes. Oh my gosh, who the hell was I thinking of then? Who died? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, there's uh, the guy who played um, 
Oh, what's his character's name? One of the family, uh, John. Is uh, the guy who plays Sonny? Is he... Sonny. No, no, no. Sonny is, uh, James Kong. James Kong's okay. still alive. He's still alive, okay. I don't know. Anyway, so, so... The main, all the main actors really are still alive. That's yeah. my point. As uh... well as the director, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, that's all but good he's news. He's still alive. He's fucking, uh... About to see, I don't know if you heard about this new project he has going called yeah. Metropolis. It's like a $200 million plot, big budget movie directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, Jesus, shit. Put me in the line. How do I, if I was a Kickstarter, can I get money to this? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, is um, that is that is that is that like the Metropolis, like the Fritz Lang, oh, like a remake Megalop- of that? Megalop- 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 Megalopolis. It's an original Man. idea. Yeah, it's not Ooh, based on a movie. Yeah, damn, yeah. that sounds cool. Been a movie in like years. It's like I don't know, a long time. Well, it's that's fucking sick. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we're gonna talk about uh, the Godfather, which is a film starring. Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, <laughs> James Kong, Robert Duvall, Diane Keaton, uh, did I miss anybody? I don't know, I think I was everybody. Yeah, um, big ones and, at uh, least. Yeah, this is uh, a classic movie if there ever was a classic film. Yeah, it might be you know, one of the um, most classic films to exist. This is one of those films that, you know, if you go on like the IMDb, you know, top 200, it's all, it's like, it's like up there. It's like always in like the top three or five. Yeah. You know, it's a common. It's a common second to Citizen Kane as the best movies of yeah. all time. Yeah, um, and, you know that argument is like fucking bullshit. Let's be honest here. That's a good yeah. argument. What's the greatest <laughs> movie ever made? I don't know. What do you like, man? What's your case? I don't know. And so that's a dumb argument. But I will say. You know, greatest movies ever made. There should be a list, you know? Yeah. Most influential class. We did a whole fucking podcast on check classic out, check, movies. Check we, out our we, podcast. What is a yeah. classic? Well, we try to figure out what the hell this all means and what that means and shit. Um, but we're not here to dwell on that. We're here to talk about the movie, you know? And uh, this is, uh, you know, a movie that is 50 years old it is inspired generations uh like there are so many copycats of this movie you could argue that one of the best shows of all time the sopranos is basically the godfather it's basically the same idea of the Godfather. Yeah. And they actually, I've seen like four seasons of that show. There's actually many times in that show where they reference the Godfather and make fun of, they, they poke fun of the idea like, this is the God, like we're doing the God, you know, like this is, yeah, yeah. This is the same shit. Uh, <laughs> which is, you know, it's hard to shake that. This movie was so influential in, in so many ways. And, and, um, Influence is one thing, but I this one is fucking awesome. It's great. It's one of those yeah. things that still because you see some like Citizen Kane, for example. You know, like I like Citizen Kane, like I really enjoy Citizen Kane, but it's not like when I watch it, I don't like um, I don't get this like magic feeling. 
you know, just like, I, I'm like, that's a really good movie, but it's not like, it doesn't tickle my fancy, you know, like yeah. The Godfather does. <laughs> and maybe that's just because of the, the age, you know, and like, right. just, you know, this is a 70s film, so classic in that way. 70s cinema is like one of the craziest times in cinematic history, you know, they're wild shit coming out in yeah. the 70s. Some of those influential movies ever made coming out in the 70s. Um, and some amazing filmmakers, you know, Brian De Palma, Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas, you know, Steven Spielberg, yeah. you know, all these incredible yeah. big ones, all these amazing guys coming out in the 70s. And then it's just because of that, I'm just well-versed in that era of movies, you know? But this movie just, what rewatching the other night, it was probably like the third time I've seen it, uh, and it just, I'm texting you like halfway through the movie, I was like, this movie is so good, man. There, <laughs> it is so good. Like, there are so many incredible scenes in this, in this movie, and, you know, yeah. That's how I'm going to open it. This movie is fucking... It deserves to be a classic. Yeah, and yeah. There's a reason we're still talking about it 50 years later. You know? Yeah, it's it's shocking how uh, that relevance is still so pertinent today. I think that yeah. is really the astounding factor of it. Because in our classic podcast, we talked about agreeing with sort of the list out there. The mm -hmm. canon of what is determined to be a classic. But a lot of times, classic films might not quite have that impact on us still. But uh -huh. The Godfather, after 50 years, like I, I really felt that watching mm -hmm. it the second time was just like, this is a gut punch of a film. It's yeah. so powerful. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Um, right. And and that was something, I thought that was really interesting about watching it a second time because uh, the first time I watched it, I don't know, I don't know what like was going on. I loved, mm -hmm. I liked it, but yeah. it didn't, I didn't quite, I think well, I just also, didn't get it or feel? something. Were you, were you young? Younger? I must have been young. I must have been right. like high school or something. Yeah, yeah I but... mean, if you see this in high school, younger, I saw this for the first time in high school. I was like, you know, I don't really. I'm, like, I'm, I'm 15. Like, right. you're not going to, like, you're going to be like, yeah, like, I get why this is cool, but, like, I think, you know, it's not what I was watching, man. When I was 15, I was like, I got three red boners, you know, like that's the right, shit that right. I'm watching, you know. Uh, and so, like, this is a drama, this is a family drama. It's very slow, it's very, you know, you know, it's the Godfather, so it's not like this explosive movie experience. So it makes sense that a high school kid would be like, eh, you know, yeah, like, yeah, you know, that's something else that uh, also we would go to film school too. After right going through film school and shit, like yeah, learning and watching, watching, you know, you, it's film literacy, you know, you, you get this whole catalog of amazing work, you know, films under your belt, and then when you return to something like this, you know, you have a whole different perspective and whole different lens that you're looking through it, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And when, when I was thinking, after seeing it, um a couple of days ago now, what I was thinking about that really shocked me and, you know, blew, impressed me so deeply about this film is how it had that quality of sort of hitting the marks of what is determined to be a good film in terms of like a film study sort of sense, you know, just like all the factors of it were just excellently and superbly mm -hmm. made, but it also has that sucking in factor that like more like movie, like ear, like 
candy yeah. films kind of feel where it's just oh, like you yeah. can't just stop watching because it's so fun right but it's like it's like it's like making me enjoy eating my broccoli you yeah. know it's so fun to eat my broccoli because there's yeah, so yeah. much juice yeah. and nutrition in this right. but it's good, so easy to watch good broccoli yeah it's like good broccoli <laughs> which so broccoli funny. is delicious good godfather but... <laughs> this is some good broccoli uh, <laughs> um no i totally agree with you I, like, that's a really, I mean, that's kind of the, the feeling that I had, too. And, like, I have a, I have formulated kind of a reason for why I think this film probably has been the test of time. You probably yeah. would agree with me. Um, but, like, what you're saying, like, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, um, uh, you know, in the 70s, he maybe is, I mean, if I was, like, <laughs> Let's put yourself in this. You're a film lover. You're like 24, and it's like 1978. Yeah. Okay. And you, Francis Ford Coppola is the god amongst them. This guy, <laughs> the Godfather, Godfather Part Two, Apocalypse Now, fucking yeah. the conversation. Like the dude. <laughs> like was probably the best filmmaker in the 70s. I mean, like if we're talking like iconic news but also like insanely good and like yeah. are insanely influential i love spielberg but in the 70s you know he had like jaws you know obviously crazy influential and close encounters you know amazing filmmaker but like i mean nothing like as like you know on a like those are like great candy you know it's the best yeah. candy you've ever eaten in your life you know perfect yeah, yeah, amount yeah. of sugar just perfect you know like high quality good ingredients but, but still like taffy and candy and well, sweets this guy was making like you know you walk into like a five-star restaurant you're having like a fucking like a healthy meal you know like it was he was like a big block like the godfather watching this too i kept thinking about our time now, and how much film has changed. Yeah, I was that thinking that this too. This movie was the biggest movie to come out in 1972. This yeah. was a blockbuster. You know, the yeah. Godfather was like a giant hit in 1972, and you know that's crazy to think about now. You know that a film like that, this slow gangster mafia piece about a family drama, you know, was number one at the box office and broke the world. I mean, that's like, you know, that's, that's such a good, so crazy. It's such <laughs> a good and crazy point um, that I really felt, too, that you just really feel how much the world has changed. Because yeah. now I was thinking about, it's like, man, I really like The Godfather because I really like it when films are just like cinematography and good acting and mm -hmm. like good editing just like basic film stuff and not like a lot of crazy zany technology or spectacle or just unbelievable right. things but now movies like that that get made are really more indie films you know smaller films exactly. that don't have as right. much of a budget right. you know and it's it's, I mean, it's the, really kind of works i hate to bring this up but the kind of right. works i mean all those films you know are they're not blockbusters by any means, but no one saw them, you know? Like, yeah. there's like a joke that I saw that kind of made me laugh, but I was also like, What was uh, Trevor Noah, who I usually really like, but he did this like piece on the Daily Show where he kind of joked about how 
the the Oscars, the films that are nominated, like they're like those vegetables and movies where like people aren't seeing them, you know, and like, you know, why don't they nominate things that people have actually seen, you know? Which yeah. is like a really strange like it's funny, but it's also like a really strange like what do you mean? Like, I mean, like, people don't see it because they have to think about it, you know? And, like, you know, yeah. now that films are, like, so, um, manufactured, almost, like, they're, yeah. they're products now. You know, they're not, um, you know, back then it was, like, not saying that there weren't movies that were made that were, like, made to profit, you know, products, but there's fewer of them because there weren't as many movies being made. And um also like the Godfather book was a giant success. It was one of the mm-hmm. most popular books of all time. And so basically a, a you know, that like doesn't really happen anymore. People don't really read books anymore. Like <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the last time a huge book you know, like the Hunger Games or something like that. It's been a long, it's been a while. You know? Yeah, it's been or a Harry while. Harry Potter, you know, like, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> not, like, I, when the last Harry Potter book came out, there was a line of people to buy it. Like, that's not, like, around anymore. So things are just so much different. Things that are getting made and just, and that's why I fucking love old movies. That's why I love old cinema. Because they, were producing these like artful cinematic pieces but on a giant scale and that were like trying to tell really impactful stories for mainstream audiences because those were who were going to see these movies now with indie movies like it's it's almost they're made for a specific demographic which is great and like i love a24 but you know, they're 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 a demographic. It's a demographic. Yeah. We're in that demographic for sure. You know, yeah, but yeah. it's a demographic. You know, and it's not. Yeah, it's, uh, it's different. It's super different. Um, for good or worse, I don't really know. It's just different. Um, and like the whole communal aspect of like a film being like like the godfather like being embraced by the masses is so rare you know like that's crazy that like why it's crazy until they like get out you know which is like a real like like interesting movie that was like a huge cultural phenomenon that was like the last thing i can remember that was embraced by like the world you know um but anyway that that was something i kept thinking about watching this because like it's an amazing film how you know how much money it made or whatever it doesn't matter but the fact that this was so huge it's just so crazy to think about you know yeah 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 i so think different. it's it's interesting because i think the the big the big factor here is really the criticism of how in the modern the the shift that we have in the modern age is sort of this mad rush to produce as much content as we possibly can that people will look at just people will look at just Mm -hmm. for the opening weekend uh, which is why marvel which marvel which we are supportive of is a good it's just a good example of this phenomenon of the formula type of movies again effective cool fun candy but it's just it's not doing the filmic 
creative exploration yeah. that exactly the Godfather that. is. And yeah. the, the, this interesting <laughs> irony about and it. And I cannot is, hear an argument against that. I just, right. I just can't. I just can't. I can't do it anymore. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and can't. the interesting thing that I find is that if when you do come up with movies like The Godfather, which do push for creative, creative exploration yeah. and deep character development and a really good story, people just gravitate towards that more Dude, so absolutely. than like formula stuff. Every time 100%. they gravitate towards that. Because like something like a big formula thing like to be popular at one at, at the time, you know, when it came out, and then it just fades away um, mm-hmm. because it's not a lasting impact. Right, um, because like a film like The Godfather, which we're both what we're the, the goodness that we're talking about is that you watch that and it's like every time you watch it, it's like your world changes a little bit. A part yeah. of you is affected by that. Like uh-huh. you, not just your eyes. Your eyes don't see it. It's like your whole being yeah. experiences the film. I think that's a really good segue into kind of talking about what I do think is I think what makes this film stand the test the test of time. And yeah. it's just absolutely amazing. And I don't know why, but every time I forget or think about this movie, I always think about it as, like, some mob movie, like, some, like, uh, almost, like, violent or, like, uh, action movie. But when yeah. you rewatch this, it's, like, a really amazing family drama. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe the best one of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and what it is, is it's this amazing family drama about, like, generational trauma and about generational uh, passion, like, passion of the torch. That's really duty, what loyalty, about. Duty, yeah. loyalty. All these things that are uh, human emotions that literally carry over to every human criminals yeah. everybody like that's the genius of this film is that these guys are criminals it's about a crime family in new york the, the corleones and uh it's but what it is is like these people that are doing immoral things you know control like killing people you know like getting their <laughs> way doing yeah. things that are you know uh paying people off to do certain things and you know Bob shit, you know, but it's so focused. It's not even what I think I saw this interview with Francis Ford Coppola that I love, where he talked about, uh, like what he thinks, you know, has made this movie, you know, stand the test of time. He, he talks about how when he made the movie, um, first of all, he was like the last person in line to make this movie. There I thought that was like really interesting. 50 directors ahead of him to make this movie, which is like. Amazing and just thank the Lord, how mercy that he was he made this movie. Cause I don't yeah. know, cause hearing him talk about it, he's an Italian American, and what he did was what he brought to the movie that I think a lot of filmmakers who maybe haven't had that background couldn't have brought this authenticity to this family. This family feels real. I mean, the opening. Yeah, uh, dude, I can't even describe to you how iconic the opening twenty minutes of this movie is. It yeah. is yes. fucking insane how yeah. iconic it is, and one of the reasons is it feels so authentic because it's you know, can we have to explain this? But you know, it's the opening. It's you know one of the Corleone's uh, kids, uh, the daughter. 
daughter, uh, Michael's sister, is getting married, and it's this wedding scene, and we get introduced to uh, Vito Corleone, Michael, we introduce the whole family, and it's, you know, through this wedding, and just the way that it's so authentic, it just feels like you're watching a real family, yeah. and what I love, too, is that it this movie fo- only focuses on the family. You rarely see, in a lot of law, like, law movies, there's always a character that's like, that we follow that's like, trying to like, infiltrate the mob or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But you don't get that. It's that's really a good point. only about their, what they see and what their life is like. Which yeah. makes it way more interesting. Because we don't fucking care. We, we want to... We want to experience the lives of monsters. You know, we don't want to care. We don't, I don't care about the FBI who's trying to hunt them down. There's great movies that are like that too, but uh, it's way more interesting to see the inner workings of this family. And it's a way, and it's a much, it's a much more intimate experience exactly. with them. It's intimate, intimate is the word. Yeah. There are, that is what makes this film so amazing. I mean, Let's talk about Marlon Brando for a second. Oh, uh, my Marlon God. Marlon Brando uh. is, you know, Marlon Brando is one of the greatest actors of all time. He's a he's, god. He's somebody who, uh, and what's funny is, like, re-watching this movie, his performance is amazing, but I can see someone thinking it's a little corny, you know, to, to, to now, because I you have agree. this, and I'm going to bring up Nicholas Cage for a second, too, because I, I do see this, uh, like weird thing going on with people who like critique acting who think that they're acting coaches or whatever <laughs> people think it's like this idea that people are like when you see a performance you're like addicted to like realism or like off like and like i don't really get that like if, if nicholas cage like is performance you know it's a performance it's like he's not some of his performances he's not going for grounded realism you know if he was like acting like a real person a wild at heart that movie would suck that movie would yeah. be boring yeah. as shit you know but this performance by Ronald Brando is kind of like that to me the voice it's just it's so like it's a performance and there's something like um so filmic about it you know yeah. it's like you're watching a an actor a performance it's not like i think people are so obsessed with this idea of getting lost and almost like um like you have to believe that the person is like a real person or like act the exact way that a real person would act but it's like yeah. this is a movie this is you're watching you know it's part of the experience Ronald yeah yeah Brando is one of those the greatest actors for that reason you yeah watch, i think a lot of his performances are like that, you know. I, I think that on this point, I read I've been reading the Art of the Incredibles, another fantastic movie, and they brought up an amazing oh, point yeah. oh, in yeah. animation where, um, which I think this is a big thing that I am annoyed by. Also in video games, this is another problem. Problem, I guess, in my yeah. opinion. But it's this like, what 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 these guys who made the Incredibles were talking about is how. When you really get animation to work, it's not about creating characters that are 
actually realistic. It's a lot of times it's more effective to make mm-hmm. it something stylized and make them just believable in their stylized exactly. manner. Exactly. And that actually feels... Yeah, yeah. But if you do that accurately, then that version actually feels more realistic than if you do something that was literally right. more realistic. So that's yeah. why I would say with right. Vito Corleone is that that character actually feels more realistic because of his decisions mm-hmm. to not do things actually realistically because like and also like the voice is just so it's so iconic and amazing it's just cool it's cool and like when he goes with his jaw like i mean he has so much like uh it's it's so amazing you know like that opening scene where he's you know uh talking to he has i love the opening where he's you really see his um like who he is to the family. He's everything. You yeah. know, he's the godfather. He is the godfather to so many people's kids, <laughs> you know? And he has, like, uh, so many relationships with all these people, and him, a lot of people coming in and out, and him, you know, uh, you know, making sure everybody's taken care of and everybody's, you know, happy. And yeah. one of my favorite characters in the movie, and one of my favorite moments is when this singer guy it's like i think he's like the the husband of somebody or like maybe he's like a maybe oh like the 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 fontaine character yeah fontaine? The, the, yeah yeah yeah, yeah and he yeah. wants to be a movie star yeah and like he can't and uh he's like listen you know godfather like i can't you know they won't let me audition for this role i want to be a movie actor or whatever and he's like Basically, like, we'll take care of it. Yeah. And he sends this guy to put a fucking dead horse in this producer's... Which is so, so iconic. Is, uh, so iconic. Stupid, like, what iconic. I love about that is, like, that's so sweet. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, like, that's what's kind of genius about this movie. Yeah, and yeah, right. that's kind of amazing about things like Goodfellas as well, which I absolutely love, too. Goodfellas is kind of like the, um, almost like postmodern version of of uh of uh the godfather and just the way that it breaks the rules of like what a monster movie should be but that's cool um but uh like i but like that's so awesome right because it's like because there's part of me like oh my god you put a gun but it's like oh what a nice guy. You know, like, what, I like the guy. Like, yeah, I like yeah. Buddha. He's a nice that's, guy. That's you know? like, that's such an excellent point because I think that gets at the fact of the depth of each of these characters. You know, they're not uh-huh. just like one character function of like the bad guy well, or the good guy. Right. He's like, he, they're, they're full blown three dimensional, complicated yeah. psychology type of people. And V right. and, and the Godfather, Don, the Don, yeah. you yeah. know, the he's this, yeah. he's the man. Yeah who is like he's very scary he's a fucking mob yeah. boss who will kill you and kill your six hundred thousand dollar horse right. you know right. he he cut will... his head off and put a put it in the also how shocking would that would have been seventy two? yeah like that would be pretty, pretty shocking yeah but the other th- aspect of him is that he's also like you said he's he's someone that the whole family loves, loves a lot loves. like right. loves and like as you watch the movie that scene is so brilliant because it shows yeah. The, the opening scene with the wedding is so brilliant because it shows how adored he, he is by right. the family, but well, how scary he is. really important, you know, to set up. Because what this movie really is about is passing the torch to Michael. And yeah. Michael becoming 
introducing us to Michael and his relationship and, and how revered he is and almost like knowing the um the responsibility that Michael is going to have, you know, at the end of this movie. It's the last moment of this movie is insanely brilliant on a storytelling level because you understand, you know, and without going into part two, you know, it's part two is an extension of of that last moment. It's 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 him, you know, uh taking responsibility for, you know, you know, he's the he's he's the god now, you know. So, um and uh what this is kind of Michael seeing and Al Pacino something that I also want to mention too is that Francis Ford Coppola, uh he has an eye for casting. Uh because <laughs> Think about this. Tell me about it. Al Pacino, Jake Kong, Robert Duvall, Diane Keaton, all almost unknown actors. Like, they were all not uh, known actors. That's so, so crazy. Those are some of the most iconic actors. I mean, they're iconic as shit. Yeah. Al Pacino? Yeah. Uh, So, uh, like that's amazing, you know. Rewatching this, I'm like, holy shit, you know. Like, Diane Keaton is like barely in this movie, you know. Like, she's in the movie, but like, very important role. Um, she's the last shot of the movie, but but like, it's she's not in it. she's not like a major major role. She's a important yeah. character, right, you know. Right. And same with Robert Duvall, you know. Robert Duvall's incredible in this movie. Uh, and James Caan is like. Oh my god, he's I love James Conn so much. He's such a you watch some of his early seventies films like this and Thief, which is like an amazing like early Michael Mann movie. He has this like grit and this just just dirt about him. He's just when I see him, he just reminds me of the seventies. Just those movies yeah. in the seventies. Yeah. Um and like I love his performance in this movie as well. Um but all the performances are just out of this world good you know? yeah 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 I, so iconic yeah it's just the characters the characters are just so strong in this film and i think that's one of the that the that's the thing that just makes this film so mind-boggling is that usually when you have like a good movie usually like you have like a really strong main character or a couple good characters yeah. or like a pretty good plot line with like functional characters but this movie just doesn't fuck around with anything mediocre all uh, the character, oh, every yeah. character yeah, on yeah. screen is such a phenomenal personality to see on the screen. It's mm-hmm. just, it's like a pleasure to watch them. And it's just, it's so enjoyable just to watch them do everything that they do in this on screen as it as it might be super mundane or exactly. super mobster and exciting, but they're just, they're just so capturing. They're so cinematic. Yeah. They just you were just absorbed into yeah. their personality so deeply. Totally. Yeah, and then like also like the the look of this movie is, it looks incredible. Uh you know, the cinematography is absolutely amazing. So classic. I saw this fucking tweet. Holy shit. Uh I saw this I should have sent it to you. Went viral a little bit. <laughs> this guy, this dumbass, I'm gonna call him, posted a shot from Godfather, uh, and it was the shot um when 
uh, Michael goes to the hospital to uh, get uh, Reno out of uh, because people are coming for him, so he's like, we gotta get him out of this room. Yeah. There's a shot where like the nurse walks in, and you know, that shot of him standing over the bed, and like, it's this tweet that was like, this shot, it was like basically breaking down why it looks like it's too dark. Like, and, like, oh my God. And, and all this shit. And then, like, somehow related it to, like, Marvel movies or something. And, like, I was like, whoa. Um, but, uh, so, was also scary. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of this where, uh, like, not just this guy, but I've seen a lot of, like, talk about, and, you know, I think people don't know what cinematography is. Like, I don't think what people, because of digital things and cinematography and, and most movies that have a hundred million dollar budget being shot in a blue fucking room and, like, no actual cinematography going on, uh, like, people don't, like, I don't think understand, like, what it is you yeah, know it's so, really that's so bizarre crazy to, to, to see you know really strange to see someone ar- like trying to argue that the godfather isn't that well lit of a movie like whoa dude. yeah like, that's a dude, that's I a mean, that's, really really interesting point that's <laughs> a really crazy point and i think that's that's one of the things that makes me think about uh, people who, when they're talking about CGI and making good visual visual effects, I mm-hmm. I trash CGI a lot because I don't like how it feels yeah. in movies. I think yeah. CGI is a fantastic tool that I have no qualms well, it's, it's against. It's almost too fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah honestly, um, but when 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 people when CGI people are talking about it, they they talk about how to make it again. It's this idea of being hyper realistic, making it mm-hmm. look like how our eyes see water for yeah. me in my opinion what makes good movie it's like i don't care if it looks like how i see no. water i can look at water whenever the fuck i want it's no. everywhere dude i don't give a shit make no. it look cool make it yeah. feel cool right. yeah, and that's exactly. like that scene it's right. just like well in reality that dark well, spot wouldn't even, be that dark or well, it's like yeah, oh, who cares who cares gorgeous yeah i don't care i mean like it's you know you have to there's I don't even want to talk. It's so dumb. Uh, this movie looks amazing. Yeah, uh, it's an but that's a, that's a that's a really that, beautiful I think, shot. I, I think that's a really good point about this idea about not kind of forgetting or not realizing what cinematography exactly. is. That's such like, a kind of it's interesting like, thought. And like you know, it's like uh, this idea of like uh, I think that's really being lost. And like I want to go back to like. The fact that this was a huge movie at the time. You know, people watching this, like, obviously super engrossed by the story, but a lot of it is Francis Ford Coppola's direction and how intimate he shot the scenes and like, how amazing it feels. And that's all, and that's the lighting, that's the, that's the directing, that's, you know, that's all the cinematic elements to make it feel the way that it does. Yeah. And so uh, now it's just like, it's so different. I mean, like, Dune is, like, you know, an amazing-looking movie, and, like, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's a good sign. You know, that movie has amazing cinematography, and people like that, so that's good. But it's just, like, some talk about it. It's just so bizarre. Yeah. And I think it's just because, like, 
She's yeah, exactly. She's colored people. You know, it's just, it's it's uh, you know, different. Yeah, and you know, and, and and the other thing too that's hard about what the, the the phrase "good cinematography" is that you can't quantify it in terms of technical correctness. You know, yeah, yeah it's sure. not that's not that's not how that's not what we mean when we say good cinematography. Yeah. Because something like Blair Witch Progress, you could claim mm-hmm. has good cinematography yeah, yeah. because yeah, yeah, it communicates the idea. Yeah. You know. Yeah, right. That's not good quality film. Yeah, it's not yeah, yeah, expertly yeah. executed camera movements, but the yeah. cinematography is good because it's right. effective for the story that they're trying to tell. Right. And that's that's something. So like looking at this Godfather, I think the Godfather looks amazing, but the Godfather is not as high quality as what the digital cameras have. Does that mean it's no longer yeah. as good as the high quality? No, obviously oh, not. That's it's a ridiculous point that Hell people no. argue. It's a cr- but it's a yeah. crazy thing to me. It's a crazy thing. It's like yeah. how can you argue that? It's obviously not true. It's not true to say yeah, that just because the quality's worse, yeah. it's not as good. And that's kind of like the argument that we're in well, right I, now. With I'm modern also like all you know, the time. also like I love I love film. Like, I just, I love movies that are shot. I'll put, like, one of the things yeah. that I love about old films is, like, what people with digital stuff, I don't even know that, uh, people don't even know that means, I think. But when you watch something on film, it has a texture, and it has a, um, a quality about it that is just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's to me, is what cinema, like, should be. I'm not saying that, you know, there's obviously incredible digital cinematography and amazing digital stuff out there that's incredible that use digital cameras in the way that they should be. Like, I know, like, Roger Deakins and Emmanuel Lesky, like, the way that they use digital cameras is, like, mind-boggling. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. what they take is, like, oh, wow, we could do crazy shit with lighting now because we could, like, light things in a way that is, uh, you know, easier but easy meaning like we don't have to put low effort we can just do kind of crazy lighting stuff and like yeah. get away with it you know back back then it was like it, it was harder to light things and sometimes you uh that's why you kind of get some like nighttime and like things that are like feel kind of kind of more cinematic and awesome because there's like always like a really weird like moonlight like things because they have you know the, they gotta expose it on the, on the celluloid so they need like light and so like i don't know there's just it's a different type of filmmaking like i said you yeah know, so uh but uh i just i love when i see something that was just and there's also something like so awesome about uh watching something on film because you know like how much time and effort went into every detail because you can't on digital you can do unlimited takes you can do four thousand hundred takes if you want for i just said four thousand hundred takes <laughs> four hundred thousand takes if you want to but on film you can't yeah you know? on film you can only on this movie, for example, they probably had a good amount, but it was still a finite amount, you know, to do a certain shot or scene. Yeah. There's something, like, more magical about that to me. And that's why when you get, like, something that's so backshit crazy, like the Road Warrior, and you start imagining, like, like this was shot on film, they're crashing cars like this for real, there are people jumping out of, like, 
like shrugs and shit. You're like, what in the heck? These guys are crazy people, you know? You start to think about that. And it's just way more of an amazing cinematic experience to me, you know, rather than like they filmed it on an iPhone and, you know, they, they, they were able to do this and then they cleaned it up digitally, you know, and post. And it's, it's just, it's not as, uh, I mean, it's still amazing, but it's not as like, whoa, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. One of my. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's a really good point. Um, I think that a big factor when it comes to like things shot on film is sort of that physical limitation of the medium, you know, uh-huh, because yeah. restrictions lead to so much creativity. And I think it's really good for creative processes to have a kind exactly. of struggle to it because you have to kind yeah. of fight stuff to really find it good because Part if it just works, you just like you just go with mediocre and stuff. That's what it on film, it's just you automatically have the struggle because yeah. it's like you only have you have to find that about and like the Godfather, they were lucky. They had a big budget, you know. Uh, but like most movie, like most things, <laughs> they don't have a big budget, you know. Yeah. So they have to like the Road Warrior. This yeah. It's crazy, man. It's crazy that that film came out as good as it is, and like how batshit insane it is. Yeah. And part of it, why it's so batshit insane is because they had to do these things. Like they had to like do these things that were like. They didn't plan, and they, they, you know, they had to think on their feet and do these crazy things, you know? Um, it makes it feel more alive, you know? Yeah, Rather yeah. a long movie where every shot is planned to a T, and you feel that. And that, and if something isn't right, and sometimes the actors aren't even in the same fucking room shooting yeah. the scenes. That's how, like, Endgame was filmed. A lot of the, the a lot of them, they weren't even in the same room together, and they're doing scenes together. That it's kind of miraculous that it kind of comes off that way that they are in the same room. But sometimes it doesn't, you know. There's yeah. some scenes in No Way Home where I'm like, they're not in the same room, you know. And so, like, because you feel it, you know. And so, I don't know. There's so many factors about film versus digital, but um. Yeah, yeah. It's a fascinating argument. Too. And I think, but. and I think, so, and kind of returning back to the Godfather, kind of branching from that conversation, yeah. this idea of how you sort of go get through the struggle and sort of actually make a piece that can communicate with people, this sort of idea is why directors have become to be like the the author of films. Because yeah. usually it has to be the author to hold that personality, to be able to hold that together through mm-hmm. all the bullshit that's going on there. How do you get <laughs> yeah, something exactly. how right. do you get something to communicate what yeah. you want it to when you have to make the music work, the sound yeah, work, right. this actor work, this yeah. actor work in the right direction, that yeah. costume not look like shit. Well, get the right like, you know <laughs> all that yeah. stuff is the director. Yeah, no, it, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, if you want to hear, I mean, just watch a, an amazing documentary, one of the greatest documentaries, Heart of Darkness, the filmmaker, you know, about Francis Ford Coppola making Apocalypse Now, it will make your head explode and it might make you throw up because yeah. of the amount of, you learn the amount of stress and the amount of hard work it took to make that movie. Um, and Coppola was, you know, he put a gun to his head multiple times, almost killed himself during the making that movie. He's crazy. You know, these people who are the to make something truly great, there has to be that person. There has to be an author. There has to be somebody who 
is overseeing everything. That's what. That's why we love directors. That's why yeah. we love. Like, yeah. That's why we're obsessed with this shit because it's super impressive, you know. Um, like these people are geniuses. Francis Cordoba is a genius. Yeah. And he he was able to make this thing that feels so unique and different than a lot of films ever, you know, to come out, you know, since then. Like, this film is violent. It's dark. It's beautiful. It's, it's like, it's everything that you kind of want out of a movie like this, like a lobster film. And so, yeah, he had this amazing novel to base it off of, but the way that he translated it into this super intimate piece about family and a, a you know a father and a son really um, yeah is uh what is what grabbed people for 50 years because that's just you know people can just that's easy you know i'm not a mom but i can relate <laughs> to having a dad you know brilliant you know yeah. you don't have to be in a mob to get this movie yeah but there's some movies where um where uh sometimes it's kind of difficult like there's some period pieces i'll call them uh where if you don't know the history of you know That's something or you don't know kind of the inner workings of the law or yeah, something it can be like overwhelming. that it yeah. can be lost I, I kind of feel that way sometimes about like um um gangs in new york uh, which is uh, ah. which, which, which I think this is one of his worst movies. Um, but um, like I feel that way about that movie because it feels kind of inclusive. I don't know a lot about the five boroughs and things like that. It kind of like I, it just seems so crazy to me. I'm just like, what is this? Like I don't understand what's happening. Uh, so you kind of have to do research to kind of understand it. Yes. Yeah. There's barely any exposition, but you understand there's, you know, I think they explain there's like three families, you know, that control New York and, and the Corleones are one, and I can't remember the name of the other two, but, yeah, you know, they explain <laughs> that, the, that's all you need to know, you, like, and because it's really focused on the characters and, and what they have to do, I mean, like, it's really focused on Michael. Michael is really the main character in this movie. Al Pacino is the main character in the film. And it's really his, uh, just, what they're doing, almost, is kind of, like, put on the back burner. It's more about, like, the emotional idea of what Al Pacino and Michael has to do. He has to go plan and kill this guy who's, you know, killing his, who's, putting hits out on his on his people you know yeah, put a hit yeah. on his dad almost killed his dad you know and so like you're not really that i'm not really that invested in like kind of the inner workings of like the whole family and like what's going on but i'm focused on the personal that's struggle a, that he's doing that's, and that's kind of what point. this is like to me is what makes it like holy shit you know? yeah 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 dude that's so and that's if a, you want such to a go into that you know the family there it's deep as shit yeah you know, it's super deep well and that's that's again that's a factor of why this film is so genius because yeah. the logic of the plot is so 
accurate, you know, and it feels right. it's so right when you look into it and you dig into it. It it mm-hmm. works on all all of those deeper levels. But you're right because when you first watch this film, if you're not really you don't know that history about stuff, you can kind of feel your way through it, yeah. which I think yeah, exactly. is is connected right. to what you're talking about, which is really the uh, in, in films and stories and stuff. What you hear is that the big whole of the story is the transformation of a character or transformation of something transformation is a really big word (laughs) the arc right and this film i think is really cool because you kind of have two significant transformations which sort of bleed into each other Mm -hmm. you got the transformation of don corleone turning into a man who's not quite capable of leading the mob against this more vicious world he deteriorates deteriorates. yeah Yeah, he deteriorates he literally dies his um, he doesn't have the emotional capability to deal with this kind of violence and he literally right. dies yeah, and right. then and then it's about michael corleone who yeah. so who becomes the godfather it's the switching of and the it's places also talking about the changing and how the family um, yeah the actual crime organization is changing with the changing of michael being the, the leader now yeah you know? and so that's kind of what uh is so great about part two uh, and um, something that I love about part two is that that club is sprawling. You know, it's it, it, it's many different time periods, many different locations, and it's crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of like. Yeah, you're right. It's like it's that's really what it is. It's, and I think, and I think it's because of how strong those ter- character transformations are that you can just feel yeah. your way through it. You don't need yeah. to necessarily know what's happening literally at yeah. every moment. You can just feel it because exactly. the characters bring that to it. And like Coppola has said, like he's not, he wasn't in the mob. He wasn't yeah. a mob <laughs> family. And he said, you know, how he made this movie is he took his experience of being an Italian-American family. And he took that experience and basically made this movie. He wasn't, him himself wasn't, he didn't really care about that stuff. Yeah. You know? He cared about the family drama of the film, you know? Of Sonny and, and like all the, all the siblings, like how they're trying to deal with their father deteriorating and Michael being the new, you know, uh, Don and, and um, them dealing with their wives and their relationship. You haven't even mentioned that this film spans years. It spans, you know, over the course of a few years. Yeah. Um, and um, that kind of gives this film this like insanely epic quality to it. And yeah, there's three films. So there's one of this is one of the most epic, you know, trilogies ever made in terms of like a character arc and watching one character go from one place to another, you know, and Michael, you know, and seeing that transformation and learning more about his family history and part two is more about kind of generational trauma and kind of more about like um like what he has to the the actual burden of being a Corleone, yeah. Um, which this film kind of deals with, you know. But uh, the second part is just like way more into that, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's just uh, like I also like I kind of want to mention some scenes. Yeah, yeah. Let's like, work up. Yes, go through fucking it. Fucking awesome. So. I think I'll just start with my favorite scene on this movie, which, yeah, everybody goes from, you know, Ligging Off to Jay-Z, like that, 
opening <laughs> scene. It's great, you know? And, like, I love, you know, what that, you know, obviously, the line, I'm going to leave it off right here. He's incredible, you know, uh, line from this movie, super iconic. And what I love about that line is it's not just this, a lot of iconic lines in movies are like, they say it once, you know, and it's like, I was in a super pivotal, pivotal moment, you know, like, uh, we're going to need a bigger boat, or, yeah, you know, yeah. something like that. It's great. It's incredible, incredible line. Uh, but what's cool about, like, the, the, that line kind of being the mantra of this movie is it, is it, um, it's not just a cool line, you know, it's not, I'm going to leave it off or you can't refuse. It's actually thematically relevant to the rest of the film. Yeah. It's said many times. And when Michael says it, you know, he says it towards the end of the film, he says it to, I, I believe, the, um, the casino owner when they're trying, they're buying their names. He's like, oh, look, I'm going to leave it off or you can't refuse. And so it's this idea of, you know, generations passing down generations but it's also this idea of um this confidence you know that Corleone's like uh carrying themselves with you know and like you hear so many stories especially that opening 20 minutes about all the things that you know Vino did for all these different families and he's the godfather and um certain kids and Michael is the yeah. godfather and um you know I forget the I, I all the names are crazy but I can't remember the name of who he's the godfather of yeah it's his but, sister um, his sister's his, kid yeah, yeah right yeah um and uh so but it's that line is just cool it's not just this cool line it's it's Thematically relevant throughout the whole film, and it's not. It's not also, when you, when you first watch this movie and you know the lines of the movie, you're expecting like this big moment, you know, like this giant moment where it's like, I'm gonna make an offer you can't refuse. Right. But it's like not. It's very subtle and it's very in line with the film. It's not like this, like, you know, Rob Forrest Rose, like, you know, like, yeah, like super, like you, you, you might miss it. You know, you like miss that whole aspect of that of the film, you know? Right, right. Like, which which is, I always think is interesting. Which is why people complain about it because they're stupid and they miss it. <laughs> well right. they don't really complain about it. Most people think this film's genius, but I'm just yeah. thinking about that one guy who was like oh, sure, criticizing yeah. the cinematography. He's like it's like I don't get why this line is so cool. It doesn't have like I mean oh, I'm thinking about that right. because like that understated quality about how sort of cerebral and important that line is like when i watched that yes. the first time it was so hyped up for me that it fell flat right. because i was right. like i don't get why right. that's so cool when i right. watched it this time what you were talking about hit me like in right. tenfold it was exactly. it's, it's like right. a brutal experience because you're like i'm not connecting with it for the spectacle of it right. it's for the emotional relevance of it exactly to to the right. story and, and you're right. right it's so significant in more ways than just being like a really cool line, which yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, uh, it's defining of his character. You yeah. Know? Like, you know, it's also like something that he would, you know, Vino would say, you know, and he, he, it's part of his performance where he has this common quality about him and this, like, um, that's what I love about Vino. It's like he has this—he's scary, but he's so methodical. Yeah. The way that he talks and the way that he speaks. 
Kelly Grandin, man. He's just, you know, you hear stories about Kelly Grandin, right? This guy was insane, but he was a genius. Like, you hear things about him, you're like, oh, my God, man. Um, but I do want to mention, I was going to say, a favorite scene in this movie is when Michael uh, and his brother and Sonny and Brad Wall, they plan on him uh, killing the other, uh, I think it's another family right it's One a, of the, he's he's she's shooting he's killing the the guy who's leading who, the big the the narcotics yeah. stuff and yes, the police yes. chief who's, the, yeah, who's corrupt get the drugs and yeah that's another cool part about this movie too is that like that's also understated the fact that they're gonna get the narcotics and there's also a cool period piece aspect to this film too yeah right the and like that's what's cool about this movie is like the the all that's in the background but it's all there it's all like period accurate and it's all like you know like accurate to like the time but it's not really focused on that which is really awesome um but it's just that scene where he yeah, goes to the so restaurant incredible. it is just it is so it is just so tension filled and it's like there are so many amazing fucking moments in it like i love the guy the other guy who's with him who doesn't speak Italian. Yeah. And he's just there. And he's just like, you know, and he's like, what's going on? Like, what's, what's up? Like, what are y'all doing? Like, yeah. Yeah. And when, I don't know if it was something about like Blu ray or whatever, but when they're speaking Italian to each other, there's no subtitles, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if that was I supposed that to be the was, case. I, I mean, I loved that when I was watching it. I didn't really think about if it was not right or whatever. It might not be. So I, I don't know. So I, I didn't get, was I I didn't get, to, I didn't get I subtitles. With subtitles. So I don't know if it was like canceling out or something. You know, I, I think I think I since know, you had but, this experience and I had, I had this experience. So I doubt that that was the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it's I think it's intentional. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. intentional. Um, but that's what I'm saying. I was watching it thinking it was intentional, and I still thought it was brilliant. It wasn't, because yeah. I thought it was so interesting, because the character, I think a lot of the time, like, when they're speaking Italian, sometimes the subtitles come up, you know, I think, and then sometimes they don't. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting decision to, like, not have subtitles there. One, it builds attention, because, like, unless you speak Italian, you know, which I think most people don't, you know, who are watching this in America, you know, and, well, I mean, I don't know, if you're Italian there, you speak Italian, you might understand yeah. what they're saying. Yeah. I think it works on both levels, though, because if you hear what they're saying, it's still, you know, I would assume it's still pretty tension-filled scene, but if you don't, it's kind of more, because you're, you're almost like, you don't really know what they're saying, but it's all through... Pacino yeah, and yeah, 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 dude, yeah, and like, yeah, and like, but it's also, I always see it as I'm kind of watching it through, like, that we're kind of the spectator of these two guys, like, we're kind of like his bodyguard or whatever, we're yeah. kind of like, like him. He doesn't understand what's being said, that's why they're going back from English to, to Italian, and just that moment when he's like, I'm gonna go to the bathroom, you know, and there's that just amazing transformation. You see the transformation happen with Michael in that moment because you know how nervous he is and how, like, 
he's going to kill his first person. You yeah. Know? And so he was in the army, right? Uh, and he's a Marine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, he's going to kill somebody, you know, just for the first time, really, out cold. And that, that shot is so fucking good when he's in the bathroom and he gets the gun and there's this shot where the camera is like above this like looking over the stall and you see this moment of Michael just standing by the door and there's just this moment with him there's like a beat and you sit with him and this decision he goes out and just does it blasts this guy away, away. Yeah. and the super still to this day um violent and uh disturbing scene um that's kind of like what i love about this movie too is like it doesn't uh not saying that movies like this are bad but this movie is not telling you like it, we're always with the mom we're always with michael we're always with you know we always in some movie there's people in that restaurant there's a lot of people in that restaurant if I remember correctly, it never cuts to somebody's reaction, a waitress. It never cuts to any of them in the restaurant, um, which I find to be really powerful and, like, really interesting because it's so not focused with the world around them because yeah. they don't care about the world around them. Like, all they care about is their job, what they're doing, and their family. And, like, you know, they don't... Why would the movie care about what's happening around them if the characters don't care what's happening around them? Yeah, yeah. This guy just killed two people in a restaurant, cold-blooded, and didn't give a fuck. He killed these two people and just left. Like... Yeah. And that was the plan. Like, it was like, they don't give a shit, you know? And because they're powerful. That's the... the you know so it's like that's really th interesting in that way this is that's a really good moment to sort of bring up how good the editing is of this film i think it is a crime Dude. how God, bad man. editing has gotten in modern yeah. movies editing oh sucks dick <laughs> now like it's so <laughs> rare to get really good editing they're like go fast people are gonna be bored exactly no, not like dude just like that moment I just described to you with like sitting with Michael in that decision, way more powerful than to like cut like close up to him, cut to the cut to the gun in his hand, to decide it. You know, it's way more powerful. Just sit with him. Just, just sit, sit with, with him. him because you know it. It's yeah. I don't think I so agree with you. Like that, the storytelling of this movie is yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so amazing and the editing is part of that the way that you know uh it's just structured is just it's perfect storytelling it's just so classical and yes there are ways that you can tell stories that are different but this is just the way it's just yeah. perfect the way that you <laughs> told the story not saying that there, there's no right or wrong way to tell a story it depends on the story that you're telling. Yeah. And this story, the way that he edited it, the way that he shot it, was perfect. Yeah. He just that's... told the story perfectly. Everything came across the tragedy of this film, the uh, the um, like almost the cathartic nature of it, of the ending of the 
like, and him finally embracing who he is and, you know, and the tragedy of it and, and losing, you know, his girlfriend and that, you know, all the things, they all translate and it's not explained to you, you know? It's not like there's not yeah. a guy who's sitting behind the chair going, okay, so here's what just happened. Here's the story. <laughs> it's just like, no, like it's just cinematic storytelling at its finest. I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm telling I, you. I do, yeah. I, you're so God, on those. so good, man. I think the scene that I keep replaying in my head and I keep thinking over and over again, I really, I, it sounds, it sounds corny, but I really think this whole movie is my favorite scene because all of them are <laughs> fantastic. But the film, the I know, scene. I can't think of that. Watching this, every scene I go like, Jesus, like every scene yeah, is just right. so good. It's so they crazy. all have like, when a great movie works, especially like a, um, a I would call this maybe like a Hollywood film, like a blockbuster Hollywood yeah. film. Like every scene has like a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah, and they yeah. all have like this awesome rhythm to it. And like when you are watching a great movie, you feel that. At the end of every scene, you're like, damn, that was awesome. And like, that was, you know, it just, it has this rhythm. And the spell, like, it, it has, like, so many, like, big scenes. And there's great transition scenes that get you to the, the next scene. And, you know, it's just, it's incredible. You know, it, it's, like, very hard to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? You're so, so on the nose to make about every moment interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, for three watching. hours for three, three hours. hours it yeah. does not feel like three hours no it no feels it does like not an hour like it's every scene is important every uh character is important to the story i mean we need to mention the sunny's whole arc which is phenomenal. phenomenal phenomenal disturbing but phenomenal <laughs> you know it's very sad yeah uh, and we didn't talk about the tragedy of some of the things like michael's girlfriend when he's hiding out in italy getting blown up by that car and just amazing scene you know incredible moment i wish it maybe would have stayed a little bit on the car you know because it was so crazy and it just kind of happens and then it like fades out i'm like <laughs> well, yeah, we need to relax there for a second. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, it's just there's so many crazy things that happen in this movie. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but I think they the, all work. And I think that, but I think the one that st has stood out the most to me after watching it this time was we already brought it up, but it's the scene where Michael is saving uh Corley, Vito Corleone from those guys doing a hit on him. Oh, I love it. And that scene of him moving oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, him the scene of him the scene of him moving his dad out of that hospital into a different room. There's so many stages of that scene that are so genius. The first genius moment to me is when he's talking to the nurse. And that's when we yeah. start to see that's like Michael's capable and you start yes. to believe you because right. up until that point the whole family is struggling with Vito yeah. being incapacitated because Sonny right. is not capable of leading he's too crazy you know and Duvall's yes. not a leader type so no, but even though he's in he's part of the family yeah you know but yeah. But what that was the moment where you see it's like, oh shit, Michael's the one. He's the one yes. who can do this. It was that right. when that scene. And then right. that and then that awesome sort of so creative and cool to have him sort of uh 
like intimidate those guys with just the flower oh, person God. there, which reminds me of yeah. Breaking Bad. Like why yeah. his character is so cool. It's not. It's he's the puffer fish, right? It's the puffer yeah. fish routine about being scarier than you actually are, but actually kind of makes you that scary when you think about it. You know that yeah. you can be scary, intimidate these big mobsters with nothing but like yourself and like a bread guy and that's all you need to scare right. off the world yeah. and that that just that 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 so that scene just sort of encapsulates so yeah. much about michael michael's character well, it's this crazy like, transition the, scene the cop of that too, where, like his relationship with the cop too yeah like how he i just love like you also get like like it's explained like how you know the log boss pays a lot of a lot of these guys off and, right. and things like that. Like, you know, that's something that has always interested me about the log and the mafia and, and things like that. That makes it so scary and fucking awesome, you know, because they own the city. Like, the idea that, like, they're able to, with their money and their power and their scare tactics and their violence and they're able to really run the whole city they control the law enforcement and like all the there's this disturbing moment where two police officers kill a couple people you know they turn on them and, and kill like oh no 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 i changed my like like i, ch- I just i changed my favorite scene i changed <laughs> it i can't believe i don't mention this but my favorite moment, and something that is kind of the transitional moment, like truly, like, because that, you're right, that is the moment where you're like, oh, wow, he is capable. The baptism scene. The baptism One is, of the most incredible scenes in cinematic history, for sure. No God. doubt. Like, it is, that movie, that scene encapsulates this movie to me. Because there is, um... There is a really amazing baptism scene in part two that is uh, maybe better, um, but th- this one, it, there is so much weight behind what is happening in that scene. That, the, the, it's so weighty and powerful that the fucking movie can end like there. Yeah. And you're like, that was amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. But instead it goes for another hour. Uh, and thank God it does, but that and that is so powerful because the 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 correlation of him seeing his godfather his godson being baptized and this hit going on that he orchestrated in the background you know um all these all you know the cops you know that he's paid off to kill these guys and all these things that are happening uh and going back to the back i mean it's just incredible storytelling you know it's that's cinema that's what you could do with cinema yeah is that you could tell stories that invoke so much with images and just you know and things like that and it's just like that's that's why coppola is one of the greats yeah some of the movies that he made in the 90s are whack but the guy guy is always experimenting. That was something that I love about Coppola. If you see some of these 80s things, like Rumble Fist, which I absolutely love, but he wasn't always experimenting. Even, like, to his... In the movies that he was making in the 2010s that were, like, Twixt. It's like a weird vampire movie starring Gal Kilmer that apparently is horrible. But at least 
he was doing something different. He always was experimenting and, and like, you know, he's one of the great creative filmmakers. You know, he, he understands cinema on a level that not, there's a handful of people in the world do, you know? And, yeah. And Coppola is one of them, you know? And so that was just, that scene is so indicative of that to me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those, it's, man, that baptism scene is just, it's just one of those things that you just need a long time to process how genius it is, but it's so astonishing that it works so immediately because yes. you, you watch yeah. it and you're like, I get it. That's great. Yes. But then you exactly. unpack it and it's just like, what the fuck? That's yeah, crazy. Right. That's so right. insane because right. it's not just good editing or like yeah. fast paced or whatever, or just like a cool scene. Yeah. It's like the imagery and the moment right. and the tone and, right. and, and the timing on top of all of that and the history you know, and, and yeah. the music, all of that stuff. It's right. just like, Oh, the score. Oh. So iconic. It's, it's so good. Yeah. The score is like one of the reasons I think this film feels so epic. The yeah. music is so unique and like operatic and just awesome. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The music, the music lends. I, I think again, using Marvel as I, I, I feel like it's kind of a lazy thing to just keep criticizing Marvel, but it's really easy to use and it exemplifies the Why? example that's so the well. the only movies that come out in theaters. Uh, that's a very so. good point. It's all we have. <laughs> but, 48 of them. Yeah, but... It's almost uh, ruining all of cinema. So <laughs> I don't think so. so but, <laughs> but Marvel, the plague with Marvel is this generic music, you know, which oh just... is just like this... I think this, we about that recently. Yeah, and it's so disappointing because yeah it goes in there and it's like you put the sad song for a sad moment and triumphant songs but it's like that's what it is all it is is like one word emotions but that's like why, dude i just have this hilarious thought about the music <laughs> um one of the best world movies maybe the best world movie in the world think about it guardians of the galaxy yeah the soundtrack dude it's incredible it's so good dude that's it has sold like hot cakes. There are, I remember that movie came out, vinyl, like, I mean, just the soundtrack with like normal, like, good ass 70s songs, like, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, like, all, all these things. Yeah. yeah. Sold like hot cakes. Marvel, what are you doing? Like, I know. You understand the music, the power of the music. And yes, I understand it's part of the movie, you know, it's Peter's mixtape or whatever, but like, you get it. Like, I mean, just make good music. Like, yeah, yeah. To, I mean, that's, that. that's I don't a great... I don't have to have score music. Just try to do shit like that. You have all the money in the world. I mean, just do it. Yeah, just yeah. like buy just buy songs that are relevant. I, I would Hell, take that... Make more mixtapes and soundtracks and make more money. Yeah, I mean, People that's what... buy it. That's what that's what people like Quentin Tarantino really pioneered. Exactly, is just using right. those things for using popular PTA, songs. Paul yeah, well, right. You know? It's it's a genius way to do music, and it's much better than just this literal stock music that comes in. Yeah, it's and, literally. And it was crazy. It's like they hire these people like Michael Giacchino, like these geniuses, Hogs, or like to make these scores. Alan Silvestri, you know, to make these scores. And they, it's like they phone it in. They don't fucking care. They're yeah. Like, all right, here's a th here's a theme. All right, I have this theme, that, this failed theme that I had for who the fr who framed Roger Rabbit. I'll just put that in here. You know, like that's that's what it feels like. It I know. Doesn't feel 
Cool. It's like it's, it's it's in this modern dark age where it's like scores and posters, you know, are just something that sort of accompany movies <laughs> yeah. out of necessity. It's like but it's the, like the score is like way more important. Yeah. Like the posters is marketing, whatever. Uh, but the score is like good. Like back in the seventies and things like that. And maybe part of why we love the music in this movie and the Godfather, uh, because there are so many, you know stores that have tried to replicate the godfather uh, with the with the orchestration and mm-hmm. there is a specific tone that the orchestra has in this score that i think if you try to do it it's just like the godfather you know it's just this italian kind of operatic uh score that it has to it that um was so unique for the time but you know there's also 72 movies only had sound for like you know 40 years, you know, up until that point. And, like, now, you know, we've had sound and cinema for 80 years. And so it might be kind of hard to even come up with unique scores nowadays. It might just be hard to... So much has been done, and so much, like, uh... I don't know. I think something just has to happen where... I think it's a good argument to bring that up, but I don't think it's the reason because I think I think there's an infinite amount of things. There's no way you can run out of musical ideas. You know, it's like the right. idea that you can't run out of making good songs. Well, obviously not. Right. Yeah. So right. I, I think, and I think the problem is, is that people are just doing the same things because of marketing themes. So in mm-hmm. a way, it's true because they just found things that work and are just replicating that instead of trying to do what what the film needs, you know, trying right. to be that piece. Because the thing with the music, which is so present in The Godfather, is that the music does so much work in creating the emotion of the scene, the emotion yeah. of it. So, so that yeah. feeling, like when we were talking about earlier, I think a big reason of why you can feel your way through the film is because of how supportive the music is of the performances, the the editing, all of that right. stuff. The music is a huge important oh, guide yeah. to that. It's, it's kind of a guide to you. Right. Yeah. Right. And and without that, you know, and with music is also crazy because I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this too. When we were in film school, a lot of times we would have this footage or whatever and it'd be kind of like this is awful. This is yeah. truly awful. And you throw music right. on it and it's like this is dope now. Well, I this is like, just cool. I remember, like, I made this, like, one of my favorite things I made in film school was, like, that little cowboy thing that I made. Well, I don't know what it was, outlaw thing. Yeah. Where it was, like, where you were in it. I remember shooting it. And, like, you know, we edited it, and it looked fine. But when I put music to it, it just added this whole other element to it. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. But I know. Added, I like, totally remember that. Other 100%. And like it just made it like way better, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think that's 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 a again that's what makes the Godfather great is that it doesn't it doesn't lean on the good qualities of the film yeah. and and have like mediocre qualities territory. All of it is fantastic. All of it. Yeah, right, the right. screenplay, editing, yeah. cinematography, acting, music, yeah. sound design. All of it is 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 like phenomenal work is phenomenal and work i also think that this film does something cool with like sound and music in terms of like uh when silence is needed mm-hmm. i'm not gonna bring up there's this amazing moment in the godfather 3 that is super powerful and it deals with sound but this film 
Again, one of my favorite ways is when uh, we know guys, and I actually so kind of funny, but it's also like really sad. I mean, it's super disturbing and sad. But when he dies, there there's no music. It's completely silent, and mm-hmm. it's you know it's way more powerful that way. Here, you know, hearing you know his grandson like go up to him and poke him and yeah. you know it's yeah. silence you know just hearing you know is way more powerful than if there's like <laughs> you know like some like fucking sad music you know yeah um you know so like that's just one moment that i think like that's a great example choosing not to play music is the right decision you know yeah 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 and that's that's something too is a is a thing the the choice to not make music is a really necessary choice on a lot of part a lot of times which i think that's another example why a lot of marvel movies fail is just this it's oversaturated with just what the sound should be at every point yeah. you know instead of just making some kind of creative decision like that you know it's like right. i'm going to take this out and you look like uh i wouldn't even say the marvel movies i think like just movies in general like the scores like I can't remember, like, there being a score that has really given me a big old boner, you know? Yeah. The Lighthouse is really good. Oh, yeah, that's a big one for me, that actually. One's, like, really, that one's, like, kind of unconventional, though. You yeah. Know, it's, it's, like, it's... I'm trying to think of, like, a more conventional one, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the Lighthouse mean, like... is, like, not really... It's more of, like, atmosphere music, and it's more of, like, um... Um... Almost like part of the sound design of the movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. It's a good and there's description. There's not a lot of it in that film. Either. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think of the opening. It's really the the opening few moments, and like the the final is like really there in the music, but yeah. But you you mean more along the lines of. Of I'll go back films. to the future or like yeah, a, with you know, themes a and right. orchestra and stuff like Black that. Black Fury Road has fucking awesome music. It has right. like amazing tribal drums and uh, just electric guitars, bombastic, you know. Yeah. Really. Uh, like, I can think of the music of that, you know. Like, yeah. I can think of the music in Black Ops the two, the two I can, The two movies I can think of which aren't super recent are by the same um, uh, guy who made the score is It Follows and Under the Silver Lake. Like, I love yeah. the scores for those, personally. Yeah. That, those it are, Follows is really good. Yeah. Um, so, that those are... Those... But... Those are the the two recent ones that come to mind, but it's always been that's been something I've always tried to keep track of is when music really grabs me because it's one of those things that is rare for me. And I thought yeah. for a long time I just didn't like soundtrack music that oh, much, which is so yeah. not true. And it's just that I just yeah. it's just kind of mediocre a lot of it. Um, Swiss Army Man, that's kind mm-hmm. of a weird one, but that one has this like I mean that's kind of like. That one to me, like, uh, has this amazing quality about it where it's almost like a. It's like the film's so fucking awesome and weird, but there's part of it that is a musical, you know? Uh, and so. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the music kind of accompanies that. Like, there's a whole scene where they sing out a montage, you yeah. know? Um, 
in case like that, like I love the music in that. Bang, bang, bang. Like I can actually like think about the, the melody and kind of the, cause that's kind of a cheat code, I guess, cause that melody kind of is in the narrative and really and runs through the film, you know, yeah. it's kind of odd. Um, but I'm, that's a kind of, that's a cool movie that uses music in a really cool way. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's odd. This know? would be, this would be a good, uh, discussion to have as like its whole own podcast is like the yeah. discussion of specifically music and film, because it's really, it's really had a transformation and maybe it's just like a disappointment, you know, like when you're in your own generation, I feel like maybe sometimes it's kind of normal to feel like, oh, we're in like the boringest part of history. Right. But I really do feel like we're kind of in a dark age with soundtracks. And so like yeah. when I when I watched The Godfather, I was really kind of feeling that again. It's just like, man, if they just you could do so much amazing shit yeah. with that. And there's it's, times, you know, where like I remember like loving like the the Warfare play of the age really I remember like the last time I saw that I was like wow I really like the music of that and like I don't know maybe it's just because it just hit me in the way that it, well, if I listen to it it's probably just normal but in the movie it's different you know there's a there's a you know that's something about movie music and soundtrack music that's like kind of different than like traditional music is like just listening to it is like rarely is interesting you know like it's it's really like seeing it you know and like what it's accompanying yeah is, i have a, I, have really a bit of, the, I think that's i think that's true but i have a, i've had a different experience with as i've listened to more soundtrack music because my experience with it is that um i really like oh, uncut gems. oh yeah the music that's is the great best on that the last few years yeah i like uncut that score gems a lot awesome Oh my god. It's unique. Uh, it's different. It's actually exactly what I'm talking about. It's this classical feeling to it. It actually has music throughout it. It has themes. Yes. Uncut Jugs is the best score. That's excellent. That yeah, that, that's a really that's a really excellent so good time. Good time is fucking awesome too. I think we did a really good discussion about kind of breaking down why this film was significant. So. That's what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about why this film's significant, why why it was significant, why it still is significant. And what what we like so much about it, and I think yeah. I think we covered all those points. If you haven't seen it, fucking watch it. I know, and I'm talking to a lot of my fucking friends out there who think that they like the movies. Watch The Godfather, man. Like it's it really is. Just watch it once in your life. I'm not saying that you're gonna love it, or I'm not saying that you're gonna like, you know, it's gonna become your favorite thing. You gotta see it. You just yeah. gotta see it. It's just such a building block of the films that we love and watch today that it's just, I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice to not watch this movie at least once in your life, you know? Yeah. Um, I just I just think that um, old movies are cool. Classic movies are fucking cool, you know? And, like, this movie is so cool. So, <laughs> like, it's just... It's such a, it's a story that, like, this is one of those things that I wouldn't actually say bullshit if you were like, I like The Sopranos, but I don't like The Godfather. I would say, that's bullshit. There's no way, you know? There's yeah. no way. Yeah. Unless you watch The Sopranos first, maybe, that's an argument, and you're like, have this weird relationship with the Godfather where you're like, oh, this is just the Sopranos? Like, uh, okay. <laughs> but, like, you know, um, 
I just, I had a hard time believing, like, why you wouldn't like this. It's really fantastic. And you don't have to be into dog movies. You don't have to be into, like I was describing earlier, like, this film really isn't focused on the inner workings of the dog. Like, it's focused on the family and this... Like, you can, you can look at this as, like, a family business. A family business yeah. movie. Yeah. You know? Vito's the, the, the lead baker, and Michael is, you know, they own a bakery. Just watch it like that. Yeah. <laughs> they own a bakery. <laughs> yeah. The, like, I mean, it's, it's really... The story is just so universal in that way that it's just so classic, so great. Yeah, so yeah. It's one. It's one of those things where when I when I think about the Godfather and how relevant it still is, and we talked about the fact that at some point it probably is going to be inevitable that the Godfather will feel less relevant. It, it, time will yeah, will sure. wear it away. But I, it's I so it's so hard for me to comprehend that happening. You know, it's I, so difficult I for me to think know that if that will happen. It, I just, really don't because um, because this film is already timeless in a weird way. We're talking about it's fifty years old. We're doing fifty year. There's fifty year anniversary Blu-ray sets coming out right now and restorations of the movie. It's still being talked about, and I think that's because. This film isn't focused on, you know, first of all, it's already set in the 50s, so it's already, like, a period piece that's, like, you know, not tied to a time in the 70s. And, yeah, sure, it might feel a little different because movies are made differently, but it still works. It's still powerful. I think the story will still always be powerful and always be relevant because it is the core of the Mount family yeah. that will always stand the test of time, you know? Yeah. And um, I just think, I just think that movies will just have to go somewhere incredible for the Godfather to feel dated. And so I yeah, would, they gotta, yeah, it's gotta be like the day, you know, the day that the Godfather feels dated is like the day that it's yeah. just like, this is the best day in movie history yeah, because right, we have right. the most phenomenal movies in the world coming out yeah. right now was the, was when the day that the yeah. Godfather feels dated. But I guess it will come out. I mean, it will be a time, you know, but like for me, it's hard to tell because I like old movies and I like not just because I think, like I was explaining, they're some of the greatest movies of all time, older films, and because of so many different albums. But uh, I also love that um, movies are like time machines. The idea that you could like just the idea of this movie—it's made in the seventies. It's recreating a time of the 50s. Watching this in 2022 is kind of mind-blowing. It's kind of crazy. Like, you're viewing this lens of a completely different time, which is very cool and just interesting because it's not the time that I'm living in. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, like, modern movies are cool. Everything, Everywhere, and All at Once is a fucking incredible movie. It's set in 2022. Like, I I don't care. Like, you know, like, it, but there's just something about, like, peering into this other, you know, universe almost of, like, older things. And it's like, that's, like, so, that's, like, true escapism to me, you know, is watching older things because it's not only just an escapism of watching a movie, but it's the escapism of watching something that is made 
50 years ago, you know, like before your fucking time. So it's like this amazing experience. And if you really want to delve into the history of it, the making of it, there's so many awesome stories about the Godfather. There's so many amazing just anecdotes about the making of the movie. It's just so deep and rich. That's why, like, as cinephiles, I love old things because there's so much to, like, look up and chew on and, and have fun with. Modern movies are like, they tell them, like, we're in the history of it, you know? I believe Uncut Jones is a, is a classic, but we're still in, you know, we're still in the idea that that movie's still relevant. People are still kind of it's talking about it. It's still being gestated, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, not as interesting as, like, what happened when Eraserhead came out? What were, what were people doing when Eraserhead came out? Oh, it was like a midnight movie? It was, like, considered one of the first midnight films? You know, it's like, it's cool. It's a cool history behind there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and and, um, it, and, it, and it's just it's just so profound on more than just like a a fun film experience kind of level yeah. because of the way that it connects to culture and stuff exactly. and and it, it's like it's almost to me like watching it it's almost like i get to experience some kind of sacred object which to me it's like that because yeah, i am a cinephile yeah. but it's like yeah. it's like it's 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 like you watch that and you it, for me when i think about that it's like this movie's going to outlive me you know, like, of course it will, yeah, because it will right. it will exist physically. Right. But it's like this movie will be remembered longer than me. The person will be. I mean, that's that's the crazy. Of like the Library of Congress, you know, yeah. having these reels of film and these things stored away because they will last forever. You know, the Godfather is in the Library of Congress. You know, it is something that we want to preserve forever, you know, uh, because it's a a work of art it's like it's something that was culturally significant you know um and that's it's really important it is watching a relic you know it yeah, is like, yeah. it's like it's like this old thing you know that is still being enjoyed to this day yeah still helping people <laughs> through their family dramas yeah, <laughs> to yeah, this day yeah you know uh and so, it's i think it's a hundred percent like it's obvious it's one of the best films of all time i think yeah it's incredible yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing it's it's really godfather 2 is also really damn good <laughs> uh so this guy coppola is the shit he's also made some really weird films if you want to get into coppola He's a really cool filmmaker to get into. He's, he's made some really weird things. Um, and some of the most classic things ever. Maybe one day we'll do Apocalypse Now. Because Apocalypse Now is also uh, so good. Which so I, have, I have never seen. I can't believe yeah, it. I've never that. seen Apocalypse. I haven't seen Apocalypse Now or Godfather Part 2. So uh, totally. I'm, I'm, I have so much adventure ahead of me. And it's very exciting. Yeah. Apocalypse Now <laughs> is like, ugh. Oh, I like that world of the Godfather. That's know. crazy. Yeah, it's, it's so I crazy. Um, all right. Anyway, this was a wild podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we talked about, but uh, I think we covered the basis. I think we made this is a classic thick and butter podcast. That's a classic. This is a, this is a classic thick and butter podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you got this far, um, we love you. I don't know what the next probably review for some recent movie. We're we're not a bit inundated with 
really, a, a shit ton of fucking things. Good <laughs> shit, good shit, good shit. On. So, we're gonna do a lot of release, I think, this year for newer things. Um, which I'm very excited about. So, alright, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Bye.